money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour. We've got Ethan and Pete here from Pittsburgh Power to do the heavy lifting. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance, engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, electronics, new technology, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Ethan, Pete, welcome back, guys. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Hi, Kevin. Good. Hey, Pete, this is a, a treat to have you here with us here today. Thank you. Great to have you. So, uh... What is new and exciting at Pittsburgh Power these days? Anything interesting going on? A couple of things. Um, we've got a new machine. Uh, it's made by Diesel Force, and it's used to um, clean out any engine with acid treatment, whether it's EGR, DPF. Instead of the machine that we used before that strictly cleaned the oil, this is run through the engine, um, cleans the intake the EGR valve, the veins on the turbo, it cleans them. It's kind of a foam that you run the, the truck on. And then afterwards, when that's done, you do a park to regen, and then you put the additive in the oil and run it some more, and of course change the oil. So it's kind of taken the place of our after treatment maintenance that we used to do pretty much by hand. And it's turning out real well for us. Interesting. Um, I really like that, you know, the ability to do all that cleaning because we know that that soot's wreaking havoc in there. How does this thing work? You said it's like a foam. Like where where do you where does the foam enter the engine? I'm just trying to picture how this thing works. Okay. It's a little different. It's tough to picture by describing it, but I'll do my best here. Okay. Um, so you remove the, the EGR crossover tube, and you're going to hook a – the machine has two parts to it, an intake and an exhaust side cleaner. Um, so what you'll do is you, you hook it up with the, the fittings. One goes into the intake. The other, I believe, is into the exhaust. And when you run it, it literally pumps a foam through the engine while it's running. Um, it's a little tough to comprehend, and I didn't quite believe it when I first – heard about it and saw the videos online and then you know when we were talking with them again you a little skepticism there right and then when you you truly see it working it and it it, it makes you a believer okay uh, and then just to be sure it did what it said we've even pulled the manifold before and after to take a look at you know what it looked like when it was all carboned up and what it looked like after we ran the the machine and the cleaner through it and it's a uh, night and day difference so the foam is is entering through the intake, right? Is that? Yes, it runs through the pretty much the entire engine. Okay, and through the after treatment system. Interesting. We even went as far as putting a borescope through the backside of the turbo, 
and it was shiny metal. Wow. All that carbon buildup that's typically on the exhaust wheel, the veins, all gone. What a great idea. So, yeah, it did a heck of a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's a nice next step yeah, in saves, emissions maintenance. Yeah, it saves a lot of time. Um, and also it helps save some of the, the costs that would involve, like, different gaskets. Yeah. Um, a couple, you know, the sensors that may not want to come out be very cooperative. So less disassembly, so that's, that's never a bad thing. And time. So yeah. Yeah. we have about four hours total in this. Including the oil change compared to well, we were at two days. Yeah, ten, twelve, wow. fourteen hours the other way. Wow, that's a huge savings. So, are you still and recommending really on, well. on on a truck that's running properly? Are you still recommending this at like two hundred and fifty thousand miles? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And if a truck wasn't running right, it was soot-related or you're having emissions problems, you may do it more often. Yeah, I think a truck that would maybe idle a lot more, uh, especially the guys that are doing the short-haul stuff, um, the well sites, I think they might find they would need it more because of what they're doing versus a guy running down a highway at 80,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that is new and exciting. We should have... Uh, we We're also sh- seeing a lot more big camp. I was going to say we should have trucks lined up out your door waiting We're- to get that done. We're already about a week and a half behind, so... Okay. We're doing pretty good. Good, good. And on the... You were going to say something about the big cams? Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting really busy with the big cam stuff. And I don't see much... In the shop, most of it's over-the-counter, but we're probably selling more big cam parts now than we did four or five years ago. Wow. Just the just a lot of guys are going back to it. I think what we're seeing is a lot of older guys are running a lot more local. Uh, yeah. They don't want to be out for weeks on end. They get an old big cam. They don't have to fool with the logs anymore. They don't have any emission stuff, but... Um, even on the pumps and injectors, we're probably three, four days behind. If you t- call today and say, hey, I need a pump done, it's probably three or four days before before we can get to it. We're, we're that backed up on this stuff. And, wow. You know, years ago, we had three three people in a pump room, you know, 25 right. years ago when big camps were popular. We're down to one. Right. But I think he's busier now than he has been busy. That's that's interesting. You know, and I, I've said many times when, it, when I talk on the air, I said I – as much as I love mechanical diesels and it's nostalgic and they're simple and, and all those things, I've said I, I would never own one to try to make money with it. The electronics was such a huge improvement on a diesel engine. Um, but given where we are now and, and talking about a local operation, one of the reasons on the mechanical was just it, they're really hard to get good fuel economy out of. You know, we're never going to see a mechanical diesel get nine miles to the gallon the way we're doing with electronics. But no. in a local operation, it's not as important for one thing. You're not putting on nearly as many miles, so it's more about time management and those kind of things. But the other difference is 
if we put a mechanical engine against a, you know, fully electronic out on the road where you're spending, you know, eight hours a day at highway speeds, the differential in fuel mileage is big, probably, you know, as much as three miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. Put those two in a local operation and that differential Easy. shrinks a lot. Because even these new trucks don't do great on fuel economy in a local operation with a lot of stop and go, a lot more idling, um, a lot more going through the gears. So I could actually see that if I were running something really local, I might be tempted to go back and look at a mechanical engine. Yeah, I think and that's where they shine is something like that. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to put 100,000 miles on an old truck, but. You know, if you're running, you know, 50 or 60,000 a year, it's local, you're out a day or two. I'm not sure that's not a bad idea. Yeah, they're so simple. I mean, they're, you know, my God, they're just drop-dead easy to work on. Not that many things go wrong. <clears throat> um, my second engine, my first engine was a 6V92. My second was a big cam in a, uh, in a GMC Astro. It's like driving a fishbowl down the road. Mm-hmm. So much glass. Yeah, little in those cab things. overs. Yeah, yeah. That was a good engine, though. I mean, it, it was strong for back then. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of horsepower back then. That was that was the engine right. to have. Yeah, interesting. They're, we can uh, improve them back. quite a bit. Not only do we improve the horsepower, but the torque numbers come up pretty well, pretty respectfully. Uh, stock big cam four hundred only made twelve hundred foot-pounds of torque, but if we take that engine up to 500, you're looking at almost 1,400 foot-pounds of torque, so quite an improvement. Nice nice improvement, yeah. All right, well, uh, let's see what we're doing on time here. Um, You know what? I think I'm going to take us into the break, and when we come back, we're going to get to your calls and questions, so we'll be doing that right after this break. I want to let you know, CMC is Open for registration. CMC 2018. It is September 17th. I think that's right. It's uh, September. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Pittsburgh Power will be there. We're looking forward to that. Larry Wingett will be back. Larry and I are going to be doing something special this year. Not ready to tell you what that is. But I'm excited about it. I've done a major rewrite on all of my material. Dan Baker's coming back. Oh, so much to talk about. If you have any questions or you want to get signed up, go to the website, letstruck.com. Look under the events tab or call our tribe care team. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. We'll be right back. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothford. This is the Power Hour. We've got Ethan and Pete with us today. We're going to get to your calls. We're going to head off to Texas to get started. Ken, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi there, Kevin. Uh, I was visiting for Power a couple of years back with my husband and uh, wasn't aware until I saw uh, guys had a display up there for the engine dampers. Hey, hey, Ken. Are are you on a are you on a head are you on a headset or can you get closer to the mic? I'm having a really hard time hearing you. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, talking about engine dampers. Can you hear me better now? Yep, that's much better. Okay, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, engine dampers, and and I wasn't aware, and I'm looking at buying a. Uh, an 08 Peterbilt with ISX on it, and it's got a bunch of miles that's been rebuilt. But what's the symptoms that you need to get that engine damper changed? Uh, you know, they're really well, What if it has over 500,000 oh. miles? Yeah, go it ahead. It needs changed anyhow. So if it has over 500,000 miles, it's a maintenance item. It needs to be changed. Um, signs that it's going bad would be a vibration that's going to be there. Uh, if you're breaking bolts off things that you shouldn't break them off, like the alternator mounting bracket, uh, something like that, that indicates the um, damper is bad, or you break a crank, which is a big failure at that point. Okay. And how much of those things run? Do you, is that something you can just mail out and I can have installed? Absolutely. We can ship them to you. Um, the, the ISX, what are they, 5.0? 55, 60, something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. Well, that's good info. I appreciate your help. Yep, we keep them in stock. Okay, yeah. That was the first time I'd ever seen anything about it. Good. All right. Well, uh, geez, Pete, how long have we been trying to get the word out about engine dampers? Yeah, I'm surprised when people say they they don't know that. Uh, we've yeah. been talking about it for Bruce has been preaching this for I don't know how many years. Yeah, I mean for a yeah. long time, and then yeah. the truck shows and the articles and yeah, just can't, I guess we're not reaching everyone yet. You know, it, it and it's not surprising to me that an owner operator or driver might not know. You know, they've got a lot going on. It's not what they do every day. What shocks me still is when you're talking to a technician, a shop manager, doesn't matter, and they say, oh, no, we never replace those. Why would you? I just cringe every time mm-hmm. I hear that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy and, stuff. And Cummins is one of the few engine companies that does acknowledge they need changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that where Bruce learned about it? Wasn't he touring the Cummins factory when he saw one cut apart and they explained how it worked? Wasn't that Cummins? Yep. Back in the old so. big cam days. Yeah, I thought so. All right, let's head off to Washington. Chad, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Um, I got a question about a coolant reservoir cap. I Last year I got my coolant reservoir uh, brand-new one put in, and um, the cap actually started leaking about three weeks ago. I went to Freightliner and got a new one and it still seems to be dribbling out. Hmm. 
need to make sure we're not pressurizing the radiator in any way. I'd have them check that. Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of wondering, and how would that be going on? With, uh, you know, uh, cracking the head, a blown head gasket. A cracked head or a blown head gasket can cause what, that. What, what engine is it? Yeah, I was going to say what engine. Uh, DD-15. Okay. That engine's Yeah, never, the shop can test for that. They have a... That, that engine's never had problems with... Um, uh, injector cups, right? Like the Series 60, the injector cups were always an issue. <clears throat> right. Now, we don't see many problems with the DD-15. That's a pretty well-built engine. I thought so, yeah. Probably had... Yeah, I I really haven't had a whole lot of problems. I'm getting, you know, seven and a half miles of the gallon, no power issues, nothing like that. It's just that, you know, I, I got the radiator changed out uh february i think and they pressure tested the system at the time before even putting it in and i i want to say it's caused a lot of problems i've had to have the egr actuator replaced and um another leak started on top of the coolant reservoir tank um and it's just like ah <laughs> Yeah, I'd have the shop check for pressure in the radiator. Just let's roll that out. It's a, it's a simple okay. test. It wouldn't take long. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Got it. Thanks for the call. Um, Pete, Appreciate- Ethan, I had a uh, a good story this past week about, you know, why it really does pay to do a pre-trip. And I know sometimes we get lazy about it and you don't do it and you think everything's fine. I was on my way home. I'd been out for 12 weeks on that trip. And it was my last day. I was on the way home. And that last leg coming in uh, from uh, Idaho into Oregon, you've got a lot of road out there with not much out there. You've got uh, the mountains. You've got to get through the blues and cabbage and pretty remote out there. And, you know, I was tempted because it was time to get home to just turn on the key and go. And I thought, you know what, I need to do, just do uh, even if it's a quick pre-trip, but enough that I crawled under. You know, back in the back where the engine is, I just slid under there. I was looking around. Sure enough, I see a little wetness on a shield. And I'm like, where's that coming from? I reach up behind and just all kinds of coolant had been puddling on the shield, but it hadn't started dripping down under the ground yet. So I pulled that shield off. There were two leaks behind there. One, there was a loose clamp, and the other one, the hose had been chafing, and it was just starting to seep out of the hose. Um... I'm pretty sure had I been climbing up through the through the blues, I would have blown one of those. And it just would have been ugly out there. Nothing around. As it, The lucky thing was I'm sitting in a Walmart parking lot because that's where I parked for the night. And there were two auto parts stores. So I had everything I need to fix it. I had, you know, got coolant, filled it up, made it home. Just, uh, you know, what a difference. Took me 20 minutes to do the pre-trip if that and then probably about an hour to fix it because i had everything i needed right there had that been on the side of the road would have been a disaster and you could have overheated the engine to the point where you had damage yeah as well absolutely yeah yeah so 
take the time do the pre-trip pay to spend a couple extra minutes looking around yeah yeah let's uh let's see let's get another call started here let's head off to south dakota kenny welcome to the program hi guys uh my question is does it hurt anything to overfill the crankcase with engine oil by over a gallon and the reason I ask is I drive a company truck for a small fleet, about a dozen trucks. And our mechanic has this theory that if he puts an extra gallon in, then we don't have to carry a gallon for makeup out on the road. Since he's done this, I've every time he changes oil, I have a check engine light comes on, and it, I can bring it up, and it says crankcase pressure. Uh, the filter's always plugged. And then uh, last year and a half, I've blown the rear main twice in it. So um, that's my question. Is it Does it hurt anything to overfill the crankcase? It's not a good idea. Um, one of the reasons is the throws can touch the oil, and then it starts to aerate the oil, which is why the um, blow-by filter plugs up. When that plugs up, right. you can't really blow by, blow by it, so it has to go someplace, and it's going to take out a seal or a gasket wherever it can vent from. So, yeah, he needs to put right. it where it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. talk, talk about – Not a good idea. Right, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, talk about just plain lazy. I mean, coming up with something like that so you don't have to carry a gallon of oil with you. Really? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. No, not a good idea. I mean, you know, bring it up to the the other thing. I was the other thing I've noticed about a lot of engines. Sometimes some engines, even when you fill them to the full mark, not even above, they have a tendency to burn a half a gallon really quickly. It's almost like for that engine, there's just a little too much oil in there and it manages to get rid of it. And I know people that will top off their oil at a half gallon, and they tend to use a lot more. Let it go down to a gallon. It's not hurting anything. And when you overfill, not only are you causing those problems, you're probably going to burn more anyway. All right. Okay, thanks, guys. You're welcome. There's the music. We've got to get to a break. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is a power hour. We'll be right back. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. It is time to get registered for the CMC. I'm excited. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. Come and join us in Council Bluffs, Iowa this September. You can check it out on the website or you can call our Tribe Care team. 855-800-FUEL. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. 
got Ethan and Pete with me from Pittsburgh Power. They're doing the heavy lifting. I'm pressing buttons. We're taking your calls and answering your questions about maintenance. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Indiana. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you all today? Good. What's on your mind? I've heard you say that you stay away from your models 2004 to 2014. Is that correct? It it is with some caveats and some exceptions. You know, it's not exact, but there's that, that decade that I call the dark ages of diesel engines where... We just hadn't figured out the emissions yet. You know, the the early EGR engines had all kinds of problems. The early DPF engines had all kinds of problems. The early DEF engines. And and we've been working through those and and making them better. And then when you look at, you know, technologies like uh, Pete and Ethan were talking about at the beginning of the show, the, the new way of cleaning out the whole system, those are helping. But for me, basically, 04 is kind of when EGR started. There are some exceptions. You might find an 04 without it. We had the bridge engine with CAT for a year or so. And, and honestly, if I had to pick an engine, say, I, I might buy an 09 DD15, but I wouldn't buy an 09 Cummins. Just didn't like the ISX during those years. I think they had a lot of problems. So there are some exceptions, but for the most part for me, I would either take a pre-emission engine or one of the newer emission engines. And honestly, for me, the newer, the better. If I were going to buy a new engine, it would be a 2019 because I think we're just, they're getting better every year. Uh, I can't afford that. Um, This would be my first one. And, um, Actually, you responded to a comment on uh, Facebook earlier this week that I put out there about a glider truck okay. and a rebuild on it. And uh, so I've gone back to you know scratching scratching the surface again, and I found uh, some 2013 Cascadias. Okay, but I you know what you said, and that's the reason I was curious to why. You know, and if I needed to bump it up to like a 2014, no, okay, you know, no. it's no problem. Now I'm assuming, but, you know, that, I'm trying to, but I'm trying to be economical about it. Yeah, I'm assuming the Cascadia has a DD15, right, or a DD13. Yes, sir. Yeah, 15. so 2013 DD series engine, I would have no problem with. Pete, Ethan, you guys kind of feel the same way, right? That's probably the the engine you guys see with the least trouble, right? Uh-oh, maybe I forgot to bring those guys back in. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I did. I'm, I I, to, I say they're the ones doing the heavy lift, and I'm pressing the buttons. I can't even get that right. Ethan and Pete, go ahead. Yep, we're here. Yeah, the DD-15 is by far the probably the, the best engine as far as least trouble. They, Detroit just did such a good job with it, even like you said, the earlier ones. Right. Right. And, and a 13, okay. I absolutely. Yeah, I, I, found a, I, I found some 12s and 13s. And that's the reason I want to, you know, because being my first one, like you said, in, on your DVDs and everything, money truck, 
you know, you just, you know, I'm just looking for something to get me through the first two or three years. Right. Right. And honestly, make money with it and then you, put money back so I can fix it. Yeah. And honestly, if you're looking at either a 12 or a 13 Cascadia with the DD series engine, that's just not a first year truck. I mean, that could be a five or six year truck easy. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate y'all. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I, you know, I, I say that that 04 to 14 kind of just to frame that decade where I'd rather just stay away from. But the DD series is kind of an exception. That engine has done pretty well since it's come out. Let's go to uh, Arkansas. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. What can we help you with today? I just got a quick question. How close are you guys to uh, a program on the DD15, or is the 505 DD15, is it pulling pretty good without having to get a program, or is it better to, are you guys close to putting a program together? Um, On the DD15, we are, we have a program for the non-SCR engine, and we're currently in development for the one with the SCR. Okay, so you still might be a couple months out with the SCR? Yeah, I'm always hopeful on that one. I've, I've gotten a little behind there. Okay, awesome. That's all I, oh, well, how, and the ones that you guys, the, the non-SCR, how's that program running? Oh, it runs real good. Uh, it does about 550 to 560 at the wheels, and we have seen no problems with it. Is the fuel mileage still good on it? Yes, and in the, the pulling power, it, it, it livens up the engine. Awesome. Okay. Appreciate you guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're going to head off to Nebraska. Dwayne, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I've got a 6MZ, uh, 01, and a Peterbilt. Uh, just got out of the shop. I scored number one cylinder, and they can't seem to tell me why. I do heavy haul. I'm usually around 110 to 120,000 all the time. So, and it's only had 100,000 since it had a platinum entering. So, any ideas? Well, did they check the piston coolant nozzle to make sure it wasn't uh, bent or plugged? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's he, pretty common. Well, okay. Because they didn't really tell me anything. They just told me that whatever caused it got destroyed when it, you know, when it happened. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. You know, they should have a reason. You know, and the fuel mileage just went. Well, of course, you're only running on five cylinders. So, but... I've been struggling with fuel mileage for the last three months, so I don't know if this problem started earlier and just finally let loose or what. So, because I was only getting about 3.5, you know, and I'm usually up about four, four and a half to five, and empty I'm only getting six, six and a half. So, so yeah, but fuel mileage is pretty poor. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's 379 feet, but, you know, and I don't drive like a crazy man. I just, you know, you know, drive like I should. But 
But I'll have to call them back and ask them about that, you know, make sure they checked all that stuff because I don't want it happening to, again, you know. Right. So, and I've never really got it hot, you know. Then I have another question as well. Um, if I go with the, the big, the, your guys' uh, uh, exhaust manifold and turbo, does the ECU have to be reprogrammed? It does for the turbo. Uh, the manifold can be put on as is, but the turbo we okay. sell is too big for stock horsepower. Oh, okay. So you, you got to turn the – well, I race Honda Civic, so I, I got to – you know, we got to – when we put more boost to it, we got to put more fuel to it. So I, I mm-hmm. was wondering if that's the same thing with the diesel motor. So yeah, if you put uh, the big turbo on without making any changes, it's going to be pretty sluggish. You, you wouldn't be happy uh, okay. with it. Okay. So and uh, yeah, because uh, one of our other trucks has a glider and it's got the six MZ, but he's got the it's not your guys' turbo, but he's got the bigger turbo and the bigger uh, exhaust manifold, and he's hauling the same freight I am, getting six six and a half. So mm-hmm. so. So that's something I need to think about. So, but but that was my main question. But I'll, I'll I'm gonna call Caterpillar and ask him about that. Make sure they checked all that stuff. So, so okay. I appreciate I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. That's going to take us right up to the break. I'll get us through the break. We'll come back. We'll get to more of your calls and questions right after this. We've got one more segment. We'll knock out as many questions as we can check out the website it's letstruck.com it is time to get registered for the cmc coming up in september council bluffs iowa one solid week of business maintenance fuel mileage negotiations i can go on and on and on we cover a lot of material there's a lot going on larry wing coming back again Dan Baker will be there and so much more. Check it out. Go to the website, letstruck.com. Look under the events tab. You can see some information. Sign up there. If you have any questions, call our Tribe Care team. We also have a payment plan. We make this really, really simple. It takes about $100 to get your spot locked up, so get it done. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We've got Ethan and Pete with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get back to your calls and questions. We're off to Montana this time. Mike, welcome to the program. It's your turn. Are you guys looking for me? We are. What's on your mind today? 
Okay, well, okay, I thought you said Canada. I'm, I'm from Montana. I've got a 14-liter non-EGR Detroit. Um, I acquired a ECM with some custom tuning in it. Put that on there. I put your manifolds on, uh, 17-1702 turbo on there. I'm making about 47 pounds of boost. How do I calculate what kind of horsepower I'm putting out of this thing? Because it's, it's a beast. Oh, hold on. You know what? I probably didn't bring... I don't know what I'm doing today. Ethan, Pete, sorry about that. Go you, ahead. you seem to be doing that uh, after every break. <laughs> I know. I'm, my head's okay, in the well, clouds. I'll try this again here. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you said you have the uh, a 17-1702 turbo on this. Yes, sir. And your, I had a, a manifold off a 12.7. I used to run some 12.7s. So I put that on there. I mean, man, it spools up quick. I, I'm just uh, wondering if I'm putting out a little bit too much horsepower out of this thing. But uh, I said 47 pounds of boost is max on it. Yeah, that's a little higher than I like to set them. Um, and I think that's because of the turbo is being a little too small. Uh, typically, you know, a lot of times people, guys like to put that on the 12.7 liter as the performance turbo uh, so how so much bigger case, of a turbo should i have on there a, a lot of times i stick with the the factory wastegated turbo on that but i use a little fitting but we also have a a, a, a non uh wastegated turbo that we use on them too it's got a lot bigger compressor housing compressor wheel i think a turbo is right. about 1650 that turbo it's brand new yeah that 171702 is just way too small. You're going to blow it up, spinning it that hard. You're pretty much okay. maxing it out at 47 pounds of boost. But if I had to guess some horsepower there, I'm going to say you're around the six and a quarter, 650 at the wheels. That's high. Okay. So you're about a 750, 800 flywheel horsepower based on the boost that it's putting out. Yeah, and that's that was my question. Is I know what the casts are. They're about 18 horsepower per pound of boots after I don't know, 30 pounds or so. So uh, yeah, so can you guys help me out with uh, if I find you up uh, you have a different turbo that would work better on this? Yeah, we have them in stock. Okay, can sell you okay. One. Well, I'll call the shop. I bought a bunch of stuff from you guys. Then the next question I have is. Um, on the jig brake, I've, I've rebuilt the jigs. I've set them up a little tighter. Am I going to hurt? You remember the old exhaust dampers that you used to have on? Uh, I think Mac had them because that Dynac harder didn't make any noise. Never mind, do anything. Is that something that a guy could possibly do? Like you're trying, trying to emulate a VG uh, uh, turbo, you know, where it uses the turbo to make some extra back pressure, or am I uh, beating my head against the wall thinking that way? Yeah, that's not going to work. We actually tried that um, to see if that would help with a weak jake break, and it, it actually made it worse. Um, if oh, your jakes aren't strong and you've already rebuilt them, probably the housings are simply worn out, and the jakes are uh, being uh, replaced. Okay. Well, that, that's good advice. Yeah, I, I can certainly do that. Okay, well, I'll uh, call the shop and uh, find a better turbo for this thing. Okay, thanks. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You know, that, that just reminded me of something. Um, I saw a commercial for a car the other day, and now I can't remember what car it was. Was it a Volvo? or nah, I don't remember now. But they mentioned something about a variable, variable boost turbo or variable something turbo. And, and I thought, I wonder if they're using the same kind of technology, you know, actually controlling... Um, 
the the geometry of the turbo. You guys know anything about that? I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I haven't uh, seen anything like that, but that would make sense for them to do that. Yeah, it caught my attention because I know you guys developed that. The VG turbos are pretty efficient. The VG turbos, yes. Great idea. So uh, I'll have to try to go back and see what that was. Let's get to another call. Let's go to Arkansas. Scott, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. What can we help you with today? There. Hey, I was just wondering... I'm looking to buy another truck. I had one a long time ago, but I got a small farm, and I just wanted to pull, you know, a little fertilized chicken litter, stuff like that, probably between fifty to 80,000 pounds, not nothing major. but And I was wondering about a Caterpillar 3406B. Is that is that a good engine to... To go, you know, what I'm getting at is, is it an expensive engine to rebuild and to maintain? And what kind of fuel mileage can I expect out of it? Pete, any thoughts? Well, the cat engines are expensive, so... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, the engine's a very good engine. So the mechanical cats were really strong. They're good engines. Um, you know, fuel mileage is going to be probably fives. Again, you're not putting many miles a year on, so that's not a big deal. But they are expensive. If you need to do work on them, you know, if that pump goes bad, it's four grand for a replacement. The cylinder heads, I think, are about $3,500. So they are a little bit of an expensive engine, but and nothing out there is cheap anymore anyhow. But it's a very durable engine. All right. I wouldn't be afraid All of right. it, that's for sure. Okay. I mean, because I've, I've run across the quite a few of them here lately and and i'm just wondering you know if it since everybody the ones that i've been finding that's that's uh people getting rid of i just wondering if they might need to be overhauled redone because i i don't want to get started on it and then have to stop to redo it i'd like to do it all at one time and then start while I have the time. Well, you know, if, if they're not using oil and they're carrying good oil pressure, um, you know, I wouldn't be too afraid of it. If the guy tells you he's adding a gallon of oil every couple thousand miles, that's an indication it's going to need rebuilt pretty soon. Or if there's some oil pressure issues, you might want to shy away from it then. Okay. And where's the, where is the closest place that you guys do that? I know you you got several of them, don't you? Around you got something in North Central Arkansas. Well, we have remote tuners, but that's basically for the electronic engines. As far as the mechanical engines, I really don't have anyone out there um, other than us working on that stuff. Pittsburgh's okay. not that far from where, Arkansas. Where that was a, oh. Yeah, we're in Saxonburg, PA. But that was a popular engine. A lot of cat shops would still work on that. That engine is in a lot of equipment. It's going to be around for a long time. Okay. That's what I was wondering. I didn't want to get into something that's going to be outdated here in the next five to ten no. years. No. 
Yeah, you're not going to see as many in trucks, but in equipment, people aren't going to get rid of a piece of equipment because of the old engine. So you're going to see a lot of equipment still running that engine. So I wouldn't be afraid of it. Okay. All right, that's all I needed. Thank you all. You're welcome. welcome. Thanks for the call. Hey, Pete, is that one of those engines that also gets used a lot in marine applications? I know there are a lot of cats out in the marine. Yes. Yeah, so. Marine equipment, farm equipment. Um, yeah, that engine's going to be around so long because it's everywhere. And it was a, so. Keep in mind, at the same time when the NTCs were out, they were doing like '80s, mid '80s. Um, a Cummins would do 500,000 miles, 600,000 miles. These were going 900 to a million miles between rebuilds, way before the Cummins was. So it's a pretty solid engine, but a little more pricey to rebuild as well. Yeah, but you know when you when you break that cost down of that rebuild over the seven or eight hundred thousand miles you're going to get out of it, or maybe even a little more, it's really it's pennies. I mean, you know we we look at that cost as big, yeah. and I get it. When you've got to write that check, it's a big cost. You got to come up with the cash. But when you look at take that cost and divide it out over eight hundred thousand miles, and it's next to nothing. I mean, it's and you're right. That's a solid engine. Um, Fuel economy wasn't great, but in this kind of an application, who cares? It's not going to matter. Um, they were strong. They pulled good. They There just wasn't a lot on those engines that broke. No. And he's not going to have a sensor to shut them down or wiring harness to go bad. It's, like you said, pretty trouble-free for what he wants to do with it. That goes back to you know, why guys want to go back with the old mechanical engines. He'd be ideal for that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right, there's the music. I've got to get out of here. We're all out of time. Thanks to Ethan and Pete and Pittsburgh Power for all the help, and we will do it again next time. Check out the website. It's Let'sTruck.com. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.